Hey, I'm Allison. And I'm Courtney. Join us as we talk about our post-op diets, interview really cool guests, share products we love, encourage each other on our journeys, and, you know, just live in our best lives. Everybody. Welcome to season four, episode three of No Guts, No Glory. I am so, so, so happy because we're sitting here with Megan from my bariatric dietitian. And I like, I'm so I'm happy to introduce her and Allison to each other. I'm like, hi, friends. Meet <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. I'm so excited heard, to be here. <laughs> yeah. I've heard so much about you and I know how much you like helped Courtney through all of this. So it's just like, I can't wait to hear all the things. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It was one of my, so I think like for listeners who are joining us kind of this season, my, I am obsessed with my surgeon. He doesn't know it yet. We're best friends. We're going to have my one year post-op. And I think at this point, I'm going to let him know that I have a podcast where I fangirl over him often. Um, (laughs) But the nutritionist in the office is just like, he was so busy. He really didn't have a lot of like designated he he had a lot on his plate um we talk a lot about like the medical industry being over you know overdone right now and he had a lot on his plate and I would call him and be like I don't understand you have different carb ratios on here you have different advice here you have different this here and I would ask him questions and then like three weeks later not have an answer and it was causing my anxiety to go bonkers so I started following some like amazing nutritionists on um, Instagram and Megan was one of them. And I reached out to work with her and we spent six sessions together that like changed my life in general because I've never had good relationships with food. And Megan taught me so many like handy tips and tricks. So she's here today to help share some of that. I know. I mean, I think it's amazing just to interject really quickly like that it took all of this, like for me, 40 some years to meet with a nutritionist, you like 35, you know what I mean? Like, sure. You go over stuff in school, right. They give you the chart of like what you should be eating and the pyramid and all that stuff. But like, you know, as a kid, you're, you're subject to what your parents are feeding you essentially. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah I think it's frozen meals. We're not, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's so valuable to, um, to just, you know, meet with a nutritionist, have you on here. So I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah. yeah, so excited to be here. Yeah. Okay, so Megan, introduce yourself. <laughs> Tell yeah, us Megan. Megan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am the, I guess, creator of my bariatric dietitian. Um, I have been a dietitian for since 2010. Oh my gosh. Uh, I feel like I'm like aging myself, but um, <laughs> since 2010. And um, I actually started in the, like a, the field of like, um, more like geriatrics. I was working in like skilled nursing facility. I was seeing people who were not always, but many people kind of more at the end of their life. Right. And who were dealing with a lot of chronic diseases. Right. Um, and so, you know, a lot of these people were coming in maybe temporarily, maybe that they were, maybe they lived there long term. Um, but, you know, I started to really see like the effect of these like chronic diseases on people. Right. And um, it was it was really kind of eye opening to the sense of I wanted to help them, but it almost felt like 
I couldn't do enough, right? Like I felt like I wanted to be more, I wish I could have helped them 20 years prior, right? And um, it was a great learning experience. I got, I just learned a tremendous amount, very, it was very clinical. Um, But I actually got the opportunity to like jump into bariatrics um, a few years into that. So I think I was like three years into my career and I switched into bariatrics. And the reason that bariatrics kind of like sparked my interest was because one of my best friends had had surgery um, in 2010. So I was actually living with her at the time. I was still like in school and I was going through like various rotations to become a dietitian and learning about, you know, I was going through the diabetes center and I was in the hospital and I was doing all these rotations and I had a rotation in bariatrics and I knew nothing about it. Like nothing. All I knew was like, there was a lap band or something or like bypass, but like, I didn't, I didn't really know about it at all. And then my best friend, I was living with her at the time. She sat me down one day and was like, Hey, like I'm going to have bariatric surgery and I'm not telling many people, but you know, I just want you to know. And, um, she was having the sleeve and I knew nothing about that. I was like, what do you mean a sleeve? Like, do you put like a sleeve on it? Like, what is that? You know? Um, it's a mesh net. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I was like, what is this? So, but I had seen her go through this, right. And she had been so incredibly successful and her whole life has, has, has changed. Um, so when I got the opportunity to kind of switch gears and get into bariatrics, I was like, you know what? I still don't know much about this, but I feel like this is going to be such an amazing group of people to work with. And um, luckily I got the job <laughs> and like the rest was history. Like I just learned so much. I loved working with bariatric surgery patients, both pre and post-op. Um, and this was kind of around the time that like the sleeve was like gaining like some traction and momentum. Like this was really uh-huh. the time that like, this was becoming the most popular weight loss surgery out there. Um, so it was like a really cool time to be involved. Um, and I just fell in love. So like, you know, kind of fast forward a few years down the road, I started like a for fun blog, like a food blog for like my, my patients, you know, just for extra resources. And then I kind of like started like jumping on like Instagram and posting stuff there. And then like all of a sudden it just like kind of escalated. (laughs) And I was like, maybe I should make a business out of this. Like I was getting people from all over the country saying like, I need help or I don't have post-op help or, you know, I've moved and there's no one available. And I was like, oh my God, I I had come from like an incredible program. Like they had an incredible post-op help. Um, And I didn't realize that wasn't necessarily common. So when people started reaching out to me, I was like, oh, just go talk to your surgical center. And then they're like, they started telling me like what is out there. And I was like shocked. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to help these people. These, you know, this is such a life-changing surgery and decision. And it usually doesn't come lightly for people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they deserve to have the education and the support and the resources and the accountability, you know, to, to be successful. Like this is such a huge decision that, you know, people don't just want to go in and have surgery and then like 
it, you know, a, a, a month later, they're feeling lost and overwhelmed and like, that's not fair. So anyways, that's kind of how I started my business. Like you, one of the things that I love about working with you is your empathy. So I think part of it is just your amazing personality, but also knowing that you have the experience of like living and truly loving somebody that's gone through it is like, yeah. that's, light years away from like, not understanding it because it, it's very different talking to you versus like my surgery center nutritionist. He was like, I don't know, do what you want. And I'm like, ah, what I want <laughs> is that I just spent $20,000 on myself and I want to protect that investment. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, and I mean, I, I think I can really like empathize even for those like you know, support people or caregivers who haven't had surgery, who are trying to support their loved one, you know, and like the kinds of things that come in because I haven't had surgery. So there were things that were coming into my head and questions that I had about this, you know, the surgery and like what to like what for my friend to expect and like seeing everything, like so many questions came up. I didn't know anything. And so, I mean, I totally empathize too with like, those care caretakers or those support people who want to be there for their loved one, but like they don't really know how, you know? (laughs) So I feel like I I definitely see both sides of it. You know, like I can be the support person side, but I also, I've worked with thousands of people at this point. And like, I, I just am so protective about like all of my clients um, and everyone I worked with because, you know, again, like I just, I want them to experience like every bit of happiness and joy that, that they deserve. So, yep. I love that. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And I mean, that's what, you know, if you fall in love with the, and what you're doing, right. And mm-hmm. you can just be so it's cause like, it is so daunting to make the decision like, Hey, and it's funny that you said you thought it was like a sleeve. Cause I had a friend the other day, they're like, since you've been so successful, are they just going to like, reverse the surgery now. And I was like, well, so about that. <laughs> Some days I wish I could be like, can I have that 80% of my stomach yeah. back? But yeah, no, it, it's gone. It's somewhere been annihilated somewhere yeah. in the state in which I had the surgery. But and, and I had the same experience because I didn't have my surgery in the state that I live. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, can I do virtual sessions with the nutritionist? And because they weren't um, qualified to, I don't know, be a nutritionist here in the state in Pennsylvania, I couldn't do that. And then I was kind of just like, all right, well, uh, there you go. Godspeed. Yeah. Good luck with that. Good yeah. luck. And then finding somebody, I know the first person that Allison talked to, like she was talking, she was, she, she would call me and I'm like, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds nope. like wildly restrictive to the point where like, that's not sustainable. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, I ended up having like three sessions with somebody from like a, in my state with a different practice, but it was never, I never was like, Oh, I never thought of that. It was like, yep. I saw that on Instagram or, you know what I mean? Like it was never. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> oh, well. hundred percent. So how yeah. do you think that like, I, I mean, I can kind of go with this too, but how do you think helping work? How do you know working with a nutritionist? can help with like short-term and long-term goals? Yeah. I mean, I, um, what I always tell my clients too, is like, you know, what you're doing 
the first week or the first month post-op is going to look real different than what you did like a year post-op. Yeah. And so, you know, your nutritional needs, your nutritional targets are definitely going to change over time. So, um, you know, the first few weeks, for example, you're on like your transitional diet, you're, you are a little bit more restrictive, right. And like what you can focus on. Um, and so sometimes people just need some like support getting through like that first, like little hurdle. Um, but then down the road, you know, sometimes people want, they have these like long-term goals. They're starting from the day of surgery and they want support, you know, throughout their whole journey. And, um, and so having that dietitian alongside them can really help like through those various phases that come up, you know, through the transitional diet and as you're reintroducing solids and, you know, going through like your first like stall or plateau, et cetera, right? Like they can really help like long-term with that, you know, that support and accountability as you're kind of like evolving post-op. But sometimes people just have some like really kind of short-term goals that they need some like assistance on, you know, maybe they're starting to um, train for like their first like half marathon or maybe they're starting to like just incorporate exercise for that yeah. matter, right? And so even just having like a dietitian be able to to help guide you on like what your needs are and to how to how to put those into place, you know, with like a schedule or like what you can eat or, you know, um, ideas for recipes or products. Um, I think it can just be like kind of a sigh of relief for a lot of people. Like a lot of my clients will just tell me like, I just feel like I have like this clarity or like, I just feel more confident in like knowing how to make decisions, you know? And so, um, yeah. So, I mean, no matter if you have like a short-term goal, you want to lose 10 pounds or you want to go fuel for, you know, your exercise regimen versus you just starting your journey and you're, you're working towards, 100, 150, however many pounds, right? Um, I think having just like a like a little support team, you know, that might be a dietitian, that could be, of course, your surgeon or your primary care doctor, that could be a psychologist, that could be a personal trainer or an exercise physiologist, that could be, I mean, heck, that could even be like your like monthly massage, <laughs> you know, like your self-care, like so, but having like a little support team, I think is really, really useful, no matter how big or small your goals are. I, love, I remember coming to you and being like, Megan, I don't know how to eat breakfast. <laughs> and I don't like eggs and I don't like sausage and I don't like bacon. And I, was like, I don't like any breakfast foods and I don't know how to eat breakfast. And you like shared recipes that you had and you like talked with me about what I did like and by the time we left, I had like a pamphlet of 10 recipes that I still took. Allison and I were talking. I've gone on our overnight oats adventure of all the different yeah. flavors. That's my thing right now. But I'm like, it was so helpful to not have to like spend my emotional energy and like my mm. very limited battery at that point yeah. on the energy of trying to figure out how do I eat breakfast yes. <laughs> to nourish my body when I hate all of this stuff. And you're like, girl, I got you. I've talked to like other people who are like this and this is what mm-hmm. we do. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think it's so important to like, you know, you, you leave like the surgery center and you have this like booklet and it might be like two pages or it might be 200 pages, <laughs> who knows, but you have this like booklet with like guidelines and that's sure. Like that's like a really good foundation. Like it's, 
it's good information that everyone should know, but it's really not like personalized, you know? And so when people have difficulties, you know, eating certain things or they have a preference or allergies or maybe they travel all the time, like the booklet doesn't address any of those things, <laughs> right? And so that's that's where it can be really nice to work one-on-one because we can like talk through it. And I mean, I'm so glad that like you just have more options these days because, you know, when you're out of options, like that's when it's like easy to just like throw up your hands and be like, well, like I'm just going to do whatever I want because this is too hard, you know? And it's I just, so I don't want it to feel hard. It's the fact that healthy whole foods are having a moment. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> yeah. A good time to get surgery. Yes. Yep. Man. I don't ever want to talk over you, Alison. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just listening. I think it's me. Okay, no, it's so good. I know. I'm just like, okay. Um, no, I think it's it's so good because it's like, it's true that you, we talk about it all the time that you have this surgery and it's not like a quick fix. Like I remember that being the most, it's funny. I was talking to Jeff about it this morning. I was like, it felt like we had this surgery and you didn't wake up thin. You're like, but everything hurts. Like my stomach hurts. What do you mean? I didn't lose 20 pounds, you know, like, um, and you, and it's adjusting your brain. It's like, it's a great tool. It's a powerful tool. It's going to work, but you have to put the work in. Um, and I think Courtney and I are still, I mean, we've done so much work on ourselves and how we look at food and like what we choose to put in our bodies, but like, we're still learning. I mean, we're not, we're still under a year and we're still like, okay, so this is really stressful this week. So what have we done not to binge or mm-hmm. what have we, you know, like, oh, there was no time for lunch today. What did I do instead of getting a bag of chips? Like, you know what I mean? Like those, those learning things that you eventually become second nature, take time to kind of figure out and you need guidance on because obviously we weren't doing like we weren't we did not doing know. this. Yeah. We did not know. Yeah. So. It yeah. is so true. Like I, I always tell people like, you know, I can give you ideas for meals. I can, you know, tell you about your protein needs. I can direct you to like vitamins and stuff, but that's just like, that's just like the surface level stuff almost, Mm -hmm. you know, like so much of this post-op journey is so mental and, you know, you can, you can know what to do, but you still have to then make the decision to do it, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I think that so many times after surgery, like it can be almost like a spotlight is like shown on like your, uh, kind of like your relationship with food, right. It just becomes so much brighter that mm-hmm. you start to recognize, oh, like I am, I do have a tendency to eat because I'm stressed or I'm anxious or I'm bored or, you know, I gravitate to these foods cause they're quick and easy or, you know, yeah, I don't really plan ahead. I just kind of like eat on the fly, like whatever it might be. I think a lot of times people start to really identify like with their relationship to food after surgery. And, you know, again, it's, it's, it's just, it's, this is just not easy. (laughs) This is just like not an easy journey. And so like the nutrition piece is so important, but the mindset piece is so, so, so important as well. Like, um, yep. It's a big thing. We were talking the other, yesterday about the fact that it, I, for the first time, like came home, I was like, so stressed with work that I was like, I'm going to eat something. And then I was like, oh God, no, like that's that. 
that's how we got where we were. And then, mm-hmm. but it was like genuinely probably the first time I realized it. Cause I would always mm-hmm. be like, I'm not a stress eater. Mm-hmm. Turns out I am. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, uh, no, put on some pants and get outside and go for a walk. Like, mm-hmm. clear that. Um, so it was good. But I think one of the things that you, so I have a few things that you taught me that I just like live by. So the eating around the plate, is still something that to this day I'm using. And I feel like it looks different now, like the, how much I'm eating, but it's still something that is so important. Um, Do you mind explaining that like a little bit and the concept behind it? Yeah. So, um, and this really does like apply, I think to all surgery types. So, Um, but essentially like one of the things I always encourage my clients to think about is like how they build their plate. And so I really, you know, I really live by the philosophy that there's nothing that you can't have after surgery unless, you know, you're allergic to it or you don't tolerate it. Right. There's nothing that you can't have. I think that the minute that we start putting labels on food as like, as to like, yes or no, or good or bad, we just start to want the things that we're not supposed to eat, right? So I really want to like, I always like to have the philosophy that everything can fit into your diet. It just might not fit all the time and it might not fit in like the same quantities as other things. Um, But, you know, the idea around like eating around the plate kind of stems from like how you build your plate. And what I usually suggest is that, um, for people who've had surgery to aim for about half of your plate as a protein source, um, at least like a quarter of that, uh, other side as like a veggie, um, quarter or more. And then if you wanted to have like a starchy kind of carb, um, we want to try to keep that to like a quarter of the plate or less. So obviously we want to try to incorporate like as many like whole foods and, you know, healthy options as possible, things that are really nutritionally just dense and packed full of vitamins and minerals and colors and fiber and proteins and healthy fats and all that. Um, So if we have our plate kind of built up, let's say we have, um, I don't know, I'll use just like a, we'll just say like chicken breast or salmon or shrimp Mm -hmm. as like half of our plate. And then maybe like a quarter of that is some type of salad or maybe like a roasted veggie. And then maybe the starch is like some sweet potato, right? So the concept concept is really just to try to focus on eating most of your protein first, then moving around to the veggies and then saving kind of those starchy carbs for last with the intention that if you get full off of your protein or you get full off of your protein and veggies, at least you guys, you got those in. Now, if you still have some room for the starch, you can definitely fit that in. It's just, you're probably going to have more of a restriction to how much that you can consume at a time. Um, Additionally, the other way to kind of think about this, because obviously not everything on our plate is in little compartments like that. So if you had like chili, if you were having um, just like a mixed, I don't know, casserole type of thing, the other approach that you could take is trying to shoot for two bites of protein for every one bite of something else. So that way in your little pouch, it's still the majority of it is protein. (laughs) You might've gotten like a mix of other things, but at least proportionally, right. It's still, um, mostly protein. So that just goes back into the idea of like 
what your nutritional needs are and kind of what your priorities are after surgery, which, I mean, we talk about protein constantly in this community. (laughs) Um, So, you know, but we really want to focus on that. So these are just like, those are like a little, some like little tricks to be able to get it in. So either like eat around your plates, um, eat your protein, then your veggies, and then like your high fiber, starchy carbs, um, or try to do like at least two bites of protein for every one bite of other things. So, yep. Just like a way to kind of, and that, I like this approach because it's not necessarily telling you here's exactly what to eat or here's exactly what to avoid. But like if you went out to like a social event, you know, a barbecue and you were to like build your plate, you can think about building it that way. If you go to a restaurant, you can still think about maybe they didn't portion it that exact way, but you can still think about moving around your plate and eating things kind of in an order. Um, So it gives you a little bit more flexibility and, you know, it's like adaptable to the situations that you're in, which I'm all about like adaptable, sustainable, like approaches um, to make this like really feel like doable long-term. I love that. I know I've used it a lot at like work events and work lunches and traveling. And I'm like, even uh, my work does this like really nice thing where they let us order lunch every day. Mm-hmm. It helps me know what I want to order. Like, is there enough protein in it? And then I'm like picking it off of the top and then I'll add some other stuff in. So it's very helpful. It's great. Yeah, no, this it is. It's genius. It's a good trick to have. I mean, because that's the thing. We need it to be sustainable. We, we did this so that we we're avoiding those like crazy diet fads that obviously <laughs> don't work long term. Yeah. Right? I mean <laughs> – I hear so many people like in the community, like they feel like they're off track and like their first, you know, inclination is to like go to a pouchery set or yes. go to some like, you know, kind of trendy approach like celery juice or <laughs> I don't know, whatever the hot topic is right now. Right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's like we, sur- like you didn't have surgery to keep getting on like the yo-yo diet train, you know? Yeah, right. And it's hard work. It's really hard work to be consistent with some of these approaches. It's not always, um, it's not always like the most glamorous and like the trendiest. Sometimes it's like kind of simple and boring, but like that's kind of <laughs> yes. where the magic happens too. You know, like I, I want people to have fun with it and I want people to like figure out what works well for them and like really approach their, um, their routine and honor their preferences. But there's something to be said about figuring out something that works well and being super consistent. But if you're constantly jumping around and you're doing like paleo and then a pouch reset and then this and then that, like nothing is going to work long-term, you know, unless you're consistent and consistency comes from approaches that are sustainable, right? Can I do this for the rest of my life? Um, and so when people are like, oh, I'm going to give up sugar forever, it's like, well, <laughs> are you though really like, you know, like you're yeah. never going to eat sugar again. Like, let's talk about it. Like, how can you, how can you approach that? How can you fit that in? Like, what does that look like? So, um, has a hidden sugar closet somewhere. That's awesome. I love that. I also love there's one that you taught me too, and it was like the protein to calorie ratio that was like aim for 10 grams of protein for every hundred calories. Mm-hmm. That 
at the grocery store, like anywhere. When I'm working up recipes that I want to make for dinner. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't, do you want to explain what's behind? (laughs) Like, I always forget why people are like, oh my God, that's so cool. And I'm like, Mm-hmm. It has something to do with. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just kind of a, it's like kind of a good rule of thumb. Like if you're buying um, like packaged products, for example, like let's just use like a protein bar as an example. You know, there's so many bars out there these days and some say that they're protein bars, but they're maybe like a granola bar, energy bar. Maybe they don't really have that much protein in them. And that's the thing about marketing is like they can put whatever they want on those labels, you know, Um, and they're trying to attract you to buy it. So they want to use those like buzzwords, you know, like net carbs or protein or, but unless you actually go and look at the nutrition facts, you know, you could be kind of misled, so to speak. So I'm sure we've all seen those like protein cookies out there, for example, you know, and like you look at those protein cookies, like the nutrition facts, and they're just as high in carbs as eating a real cookie. It's like, I'm pretty sure I'd rather have that like really good homemade cookie (laughs) than this like hockey puck, whatever, right? Just because it has some protein in it. So I think it's really important to look at labels. And so this is like one of those like little tricks that you can use that Like if you're looking for something like a protein bar and it says it's 200 calories, you know, kind of a good rule of thumb is that like for every 100 calories, there should be about 10 grams of protein. So that protein bar, if it's 200 calories, should be pretty close to 20 grams of protein for it to really, you know, call itself a protein bar. Um, Same thing like you might see protein pasta, you might see protein chips, you might see but really like if it if it is saying that it's like a protein product really like it should have a lot of protein in it <laughs> um so not everything you're going to buy is going to have that right like olive oil is not going to have protein in it and strawberries aren't going to really have much protein in them but when you're looking at those like protein based products it can definitely be useful to kind of try to aim for like 10 grams of protein for every 100 calories really get your most like bang for your buck yeah. That's a really good tip. It's absolutely how I meal plan. <laughs> I go through everybody's recipes and I'll look at them and I'll be like, oh, I won't even look at the ingredients first. I'll just look at that and I'll be like, okay. And then I'll scroll up and it'll be like a cup of cream. And I'm like, oh yeah. But then I'll know, I'll be like, okay, well, you know what? Like I don't need the cream or I can put in almond milk. Like I can substitute it my way. I can make this work, but mm-hmm. it's a good it's my like first go down. I'm like, eh, no, this one's not for me. (laughs) Yeah. Especially recipes. I think that's great too, because, you know, if you're going to have, you know, 300 calories, you know, hopefully it has maybe 30 grams of protein, but maybe if it's even a little less, maybe it's 25 or even 20, like it still will have, right. Like kind of that ratio is still pretty close. So yeah, either like, yeah, 10, I would say 10 calories to every 100 or, at least maybe like seven, <laughs> something pretty close. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Megan. <laughs> um, yeah, so carbs. <laughs> yeah, oh, the four-letter word, right? Oh, my gosh. I, like one of the main things I remember telling you was like I have such an unhealthy relationship with carbs because I did keto to lose weight, and that was like 
don't ever touch an apple and you're like, no girl, eat an apple, but like, let's eat it with some no sugar added peanut butter. Like let's Mm -hmm. eat it with some cheese. Um, so you have helped me with carbs. I know right now, one of the things I'm struggling with is working out more and needing more energy and needing more sustenance to get me through things like adding in more carbs. Um, but like you've definitely helped me understand that they're necessary. So <laughs> carbs are necessary and they've gotten such a bad reputation over the years, right? With like extreme low calorie diets like Atkins or keto. Um, and I think a lot of people saw a lot of success by doing like following those diets. And so they've kind of created a fear around like reintroducing carbs into their diet. Um, I will say that like after surgery, you know, when you're really newly post-op, you are pretty much on a no carb diet. (laughs) That's just, that's just (laughs) how it works out because, you know, you're so focused on protein. You don't have very much space. You're extremely swollen and inflamed. So your pouch is even more restricted than it will be in a few more months. Um, and when you're really focusing on like what your body needs most for healing and recovery and for feeling your best, it's protein. (laughs) So most of the time for those first few weeks and months, carb intake is either, you know, non-existent or it's extremely low. Right. And when I say low, I usually mean like less than probably 30 or 40 grams a day. Right. Especially for the first few months. Um, But as that swelling goes away and as inflammation dies down and as you have kind of more or less a a quote-unquote normal bariatric pouch size, um, you probably will have a little extra room to be able to incorporate more things like vegetables and fruits and starchy carbs. And so we still want to be really mindful about our intake, you know, what types of carbs are we choosing to include in our diet most of the time? Not that we can't have fun foods, but what are we doing most of the time? And how much are we having or or when are we having them or why are we having them? So, and that's just, that's the same with every type of food that we have too. It's not just carbs. It's also protein. You know, what's the quality of that protein and how much are we getting in and when are we eating it? But with carbs, a lot of times people have this like really strong fear of them or they feel that they are like, they don't have control over themselves when they do consume carbs. It's like they start eating them and it's easy to overeat or binge or just feel like the carbs are the ones that have the control, not themselves, right? And so I completely understand this like fear of carbs, um, People wanting to be really like, you know, want to know specific numbers, like how much should I eat or how often. So I think it's really important to like talk to your dietitian or like your healthcare team about, you know, approaching this because I think that if we get into the habit of like a no carb diet after surgery, it kind of starts to fall into that really extreme restrictive type of diet that I would say can lead to a lot of like disordered habits around food. Um, or it just might not really feel obviously sustainable long-term. And then once people do start adding them in, they don't feel like they know what to do or how much to have or what to eat. So 
I do always love to like have my clients introduce carbs, but have a conversation about it. You know, what are going to be the most like nutrient dense options? Where are you going to get fiber and vitamins and antioxidants and minerals and crunch and flavor and right? All of these amazing things. And how can you prepare them in a way that also is really tasty? Um, But kind of my other like recommendation is like, if you're going to have carbohydrates, just make sure that you're having them with protein. So I kind of like make the joke, like aim aim to avoid naked carbs. (laughs) Put some clothes on the carbs. (laughs) You know, if you're going to have like your apple slices, put some peanut butter, put um, some, like have some cheese with them, you know, bake, maybe you cut them up and like saute them or bake them and like add them into like your Greek yogurt with like some cinnamon. Right. (laughs) Yes. Like, Maybe there are some ways that we can like add them in because if you're having those carbs all on their own, then it's really taking that space of maybe getting in protein. And the the fewer times that you're eating protein-rich snacks or meals through the day, the harder it is to hit your protein goals. So yeah. I usually just suggest trying to like cover those carbs with some protein um, and you know, the other kind of benefit to that too is for anybody who, you know, wants to make sure that they're supporting their hormone health and balancing their hormones and balancing blood sugars and balancing their energy, having good um, carbohydrate management can be really, really helpful for all of those things. So what I just mean by that is that if we can have more balanced meals and balanced snacks that are not just a carb, Um, it actually will help our blood sugars stay a lot more within range, within like a normal balanced range. And that will help us minimize like cravings down the road during the day. It helps to support our appetite, um, and make sure that we're not getting like overly hungry too quickly. Um, we're also not going to be in like a storage mode where we're just taking all that excessive carbohydrate and storing it away for later. So having that balance between, you know, carbs and proteins or even carbs, fat and proteins can be really, really helpful for just your metabolic health overall too. Yeah. That's my, I'm like, I literally feel I'm like, I'm learning so much. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's such a great, like little, like easy tip, you know, just like cover your yes. carbs. Yeah. Um, But I think that it also really gives people a lot more flexibility too. Meaning like if you were at a barbecue and like you wanted some of those chips, great. Like add those alongside maybe like your, you know, bunless burger and Mm -hmm. your salad. And now you have some protein, some veggies, and you have some carbs. Sure. They're not the healthiest version out there, but that's how we fit in that flexibility over time too, because The goal is not perfection. The goal is being able to live consistently with the, you know, the nutritional approach that you want to take. So, you know. That is my Texas barbecue hack, by the way, because (laughs) barbecue is so good here. So always get like smoked turkey or smoked chicken. And then the sides, they have like potato salad or like 
corn on the side or like mm-hmm. these delicious beans or like stewed grains. And I'm like, I want that. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, girl, eat your turkey. Yes. <laughs> or two of it but I don't feel limited at all and I've hit what Mm -hmm. I need to hit and I'm having like the thing that is wildly now a treat to me and like sweet potatoes they are dessert they're oh my gosh I've never loved anything more (laughs) they're so good good. Courtney and I are both having a sweet potato uh love affair I think and beans (laughs) beans. yes yeah and like you know, especially like as people get, you know, further up from surgery, maybe they're like increasing their exercise intensity or frequency. If you're not having carbs, it's going to be a lot more difficult to like either have the stamina for your workouts or to recover from those workouts. And again, like we just have to kind of think about the approach that's going to be, um, you know, the most maintainable. And I'm certainly not trying to say, oh, just eat carbs all day long, every day. It doesn't matter. You know, carbs are great. We still have to be mindful about everything that we're consuming, right? Even protein, we can get too much protein. We can get too much of anything. Um, But like, especially with workouts, like I think it can be really, really helpful to make sure that you're getting carbs in your diet. And sometimes even how you... um, how you kind of time your intake with those carbs can be important to you around your workouts. So um, if people are working out for more than an hour, pretty like strenuous activity, um, they probably do need to either try to fuel with a, a little bit of carb before their workout or during their workout to like sustain them past that hour. Um, it doesn't really have to be excessive. It could be, you know, maybe, um, I would say, you know, 15, 20 grams worth of carbs, uh, maybe like a hundred ish calories or so. But, mm. you know, if people are, are really, you know, doing something intense, especially for like a long period of time, um, trying to add a little bit of that, like quick burning fuel before their workout can be like total game changer. Yeah. That's, I feel that mm-hmm. <laughs> we do this nice like loop and we always like halfway through we're like all right it's time for a break to eat some food drink some like yeah uh, ultima electrolyte water <laughs> like revamp a little <laughs> totally yes yeah and water is definitely part of that too yeah but you know i think carbs are just um they're a confusing topic they're confusing because i think people think they have to be like all or nothing and you know, trying to define like what that gray area is and live in that can be a little confusing. So yeah. Um, that's why I always say carbs are carbs seem like the four letter word of, of <laughs> I know. Um, Al, do, do you want to ask about your, uh, veggie? <laughs> yes. So I've definitely said it on the podcast before. I think that my donor was definitely a vegetarian, so I can't <laughs> stomach any meat. Um, so I am, using beans and I am supplementing with protein shakes. Yeah. Any other like tips for vegetarian protein forward people? Yeah. (laughs) So I guess the question, there's all different types of vegetarians, right? There's vegans, like no animal products at all. Then there's more like lacto ovo, which is like, you'll have dairy and eggs. Um, Sometimes vegetarians will only have eggs and not dairy or just dairy and no eggs. 
Um, and then there's also pescatarians, which are very much vegetarian, but they eat fish. Um, so, I mean, how would you like describe yourself now, Ellie? I know. So I'm definitely uh, no eggs and no fish and mm-hmm. no meat, but I do have, so the cheese is limited. So I can really only have cheddar cheese that I like. Um, so I'll do that. And mm-hmm. that's about, and then my protein shake does have like dairy in it. I'm using the core power. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's been a ton of beans. Uh, I have all sorts of like recipes for things like that. Like yeah. <laughs> I have like a, it's like supposed to be like a play on shrimp scampi, but the, instead of shrimp, it's beans. Yeah. And, um, like bean burritos. Like I, it's just like either refried beans or black beans with a little bit of yeah. cheese and like a low carb tortilla. Yeah. Um, I do like, uh, saute some onions and some mushrooms with beans and like rayo sauce and a little bit of cheese. Like that's a mm-hmm. meal. Yeah, um, I really, I really only have um, eight things that I eat. I thought it was eleven, and then I looked at the list, and I still have a couple <laughs> chicken dishes on there that I don't eat. So I was like, okay, no. so, so there are eight <laughs> things that I eat, and I rotate through those. Oh my goodness, it's really I, tough. I've worked with um, quite a few clients who are like vegan, so I mean, it almost sounds like you're at that that kind of stage with some dairy options. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's really tough, right? Like your protein options are really limited. I would say for most, um, clients that I've worked with who are more vegan or, um, strict vegetarian protein shakes can kind of be like your best friend because then at least you have this good, real boost of protein. And then a lot of the other things that you can eat can be really well, you know, well variety in there in that sense. So like, tons of veggies, fruits, nuts, seeds, mm-hmm. you know, um, but you're not putting so much pressure on getting the protein from a meal. I mean, the right. downside to plant-based proteins is that you have to eat so much more of them to get yeah. that protein. Mm-hmm. Um, so as like an example, like one egg is like six grams of protein, but half of a cup of beans is seven grams of protein. So just right. volume-wise, right, you have to eat so much more, which is not easy or always <laughs> doable after surgery. Right. So Allison I would say some of the – what's that? Allison has said before, she's like, sometimes I feel like I have to eat all of the time just to I try know. to get my protein in. I feel like I'm doing nothing but eating. But, yeah, I mean, like I always have a protein shake in the morning and then – so one of my things now, I would never have done this pre-transplant, but one of the things I like is that Magic Spoon cereal. Oh, yeah. And it, has, mm-hmm. it has protein in it. And then I have protein. I use a protein shake as the milk. Yep. To, to try, I mean, like, it, that's just where I'm at. And it's the my issue yeah. is everything tastes like metal. So, like, it's mm. not that – so it's like I can't handle a lot of the t- same texture. Like, I used to not be picky at all. I would eat mm-hmm. – I mean, Courtney knows. <laughs> we would go and we would – I mean, I'm not as a – I as used a, to be envious of your protein ability. <laughs> Right. I'm not as adventurous as Rob with his protein and like the crazy things he'll eat, but like I would eat what I'd be like, yeah, I'll try it. I love everything. And now I'm like, yeah, I like eight things. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, especially like vegan. So like obviously beans, that's a great one. And luckily there's like a ton of different types of beans. So black beans, pinto beans, kidney beans, white beans, garbanzo beans, like lots Mm -hmm. of beans out there. Um, lentils can also be a good source of protein. Um, and again, there's like different colors and, and varieties of lentils. 
Um, even things like chia seeds and flax seeds, while they don't have a ton of protein, you know, in a small amount, like making things like chia pudding with, um, even like a protein shake, you could do like a chia pudding. Um, you can still get a good amount there. Um, edamame is a great source of protein. Um, and then, you know, doing things like, I don't, have you ever tried like Saitan? I have, we were talking about it yesterday. I always look at them like Satan, but yes, I've not (laughs) tried it. (laughs) I'll be honest. I'm not exactly sure the correct pronunciation of it, but. Well, it's uh, probably not Satan. So you're probably more on the right path. (laughs) Uh, I know. I'm like, how do you say that? Um, But for anyone who doesn't know, it looks almost like tofu, but a little bit more firm. Um, but it's made out of 100% wheat gluten. So it's made out of the protein from wheat. Um, and it almost resembles like shredded chicken. Um, if you buy it at the store, it usually comes in like a, you know, um, vacuum sealed type of package and you open up and it kind of just comes out in like chunks, like shredded chunks, kind of like shredded chicken chunks. Um, so I've actually made different recipes um, like baked them or like lightly kind of seasoned them and even thrown like buffalo sauce on them to kind of make like almost like a vegan chicken tender type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can throw it into salads. You can throw them into soup. Um, the texture is, again, like a little bit like tofu. It's it's soft, but it's a lot firmer than tofu. It almost has like a chicken-esque quality to it. Um, is so it that, still like tofu that it like absorbs whatever flavor you kind of cook it in or? Yes, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, I wouldn't say that it has like a strong flavor by itself. Um, but I would say it definitely tastes best when it's been seasoned and, you know, exactly. like when you add other things to it. <laughs> Um, but that can be like a really versatile option, especially if like you don't do well with soy products. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, there are some people out there who either avoid it or don't tolerate soy or are allergic. Um, and that can be tricky when you're getting into that like vegan vegetarian realm because soy is obviously a wonderful source of protein, but, um, so many of the meatless products these days are made out of soy and not everyone you know, chooses to either eat it or tolerates it. So um, if you do tolerate wheat, (laughs) um, Saitan can be a great option um, to add into the mix to just give some variety. And then, um, yeah, like everything that you've mentioned, the beans, the lentils, nuts, seeds um, can be great options too. But it's tricky. There's actually a book out there um, by... Jerry Seinfeld's wife. I think she has written like a number of cookbooks, but one of them I think is called Vegan at Times. So I think it's (laughs) for people who kind of like want to have like some meatless Mondays and like kind of incorporate things into like their normal family's, you know, agenda, but um, it's all plant-based and she has like some really creative um, ideas. So um, even things like Whole, whole grains, you know, quinoa, um, amaranth, mm-hmm. things like that are also wonderful sources of protein. Again, you have to eat a lot of them, but when you're having mm-hmm. those in combination with beans, even if you can get in 10 grams of protein at a meal, 
but you're having your protein shake, right? It just takes a lot of the pressure off trying to hit these like big protein numbers at your meal. So yeah, yeah I mean, um, the, the lucky thing too about these foods is that they're full of fiber, they're full of vitamins, they're full of minerals, they're full of antioxidants. Like, right, these whole food-based options are wonderful for your body. So yeah. It's never been more regular. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually what we've said about the bean stage is everything's yeah. great. Everything's <laughs> great. Everything's moving just as it should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of energy in those foods. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it is tricky. So I think you're doing the right thing, trying to use some like protein powders and just kind of balance it out that way. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. This has been amazing. I have like, it's just so good to rehear everything. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, I have one quick question for you. If you have time, I want to respect your time too. Like what do you have? Oh, I'm fine. Okay. Um, so you just had a baby. Yeah. Oh, how old is he now? Six, seven? He just turned seven months yesterday. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so yes. cute. Yes. That's Boy, baby boys. Is he just the snuggliest? He's super snuggly. He's just, I think, I, I'm sure every kid kind of goes through stages, but he's certainly in his like, you know, mommy love stage, right? Um, so yeah, he's it's just the best and exhausting. <laughs> yes, it's exactly that. It's so exhausting, but he makes it very much worth it. <laughs> so, I want to ask because we have like a lot of people who have written in and ask like, how do you meal plan with like young kids and different things? Yeah. And we just like I don't have that experience. Um, yep. So. How are you as a new mom and as the mom of like an, of a growing baby, <laughs> how are you finding the time to still, and like, what do you do to make sure that you're prioritizing you and um, yeah. making sure that you're able to take care of yourself? I really will say that I had no idea. I knew that this was going to be hard being a parent, but I really you can't, it's just, I think probably like anything in life, you don't really know until you're like in those shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been, I mean, my life got flipped upside down. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, a lot of like sleepless nights, a lot of, um, just exhaustion and it's hard to focus on taking care of yourself. Um, when, you know, you're trying to, take care of another human, but also when you're just so tired. And so I've really had to, to kind of reorganize priorities. I've had to reorganize like how I take care of myself. Um, I've, I've actually had to kind of like plan it out a lot more to make sure it can happen versus before I could just do things on a whim. Oh, I'll just go get a pedicure today. You know, it's like not that easy anymore. Um, so I will say like, you know, if, if anyone has the ability to like really like lean on like extra support systems that can be really, really, really useful. I know not everybody might have, you know, family nearby or they might not have, you know um, you know, caregivers who they can reach out to babysitters, things like that. But if you're able to find some extra help, I would definitely make sure that you're taking advantage of it. Even, um, even if that's like your partner, even if that's family or friends or hiring somebody, 
Um, being able to carve out some time for yourself to rejuvenate, I think is really important, but also carving out time so that you can plan ahead for yourself, right? So just even like the weekly tasks of being able to grocery shop or meal plan, um, life gets really crazy with a kid. And so I don't have as much time these days to be able to, you know, make a fancy meal for dinner. It's like, what is going to be fast and taste good and be healthy? Like, what can I do in like five minutes? I introduce you to magic. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I love my magic spoon cereal. Cause like, because my exhaustion level, like I'm, I wake up and I'm pretty good. And then I get to like a certain, like lunchtime. I'm like, "Mm, nope, it's starting to go down. So I'm like, cereal. Good. Yes. Ellie found like a bean recipe the other day and she sent it to me and she's like, I'm going to make this. And I was like, how was it? And she's like, I didn't make it. (laughs) (laughs) I was too tired. Yeah. She has up of like, this is what I know I can do. I can do it with a protein shake. It's going to get me in what I need. Like I'm good. Exactly. I mean, so that's the kind of thing, like when you're, when you're exhausted or, you know, um, let's say like, you're like, I'm a, I'm a very much a new mom. Right. So as your kids get older, obviously things can change, but like, I think you really have to honor kind of the phase that you're going through, like whatever season that is, because what you did or what you even want to do might not be possible for where you are at this exact moment. And so I've really had to kind of like accept the fact that like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to like spend multiple hours on Sunday meal prepping. I'm not going to spend multiple hours every night cooking and cleaning. Like that's what can I do right now that still like supports me and like how I want to feel, but allows me the flexibility to like take care of my other priorities. And so it's not that my like nutrition has gone out the window. It's not like, like, well, you know what? I'll just get back to this in a few months. It's like, no, this is still really important to me, but how can I do it in a way that is really, really simple. Having like products that work well, having things on hand. Um, I've certainly used some of like the meal delivery services, um, the ones that either like other boxes that you just cook or the ones that come pre-made that you just heat up in the microwave, you know, like there's no shame in not cooking from scratch every day, you know, or eating leftovers every day. Like, but if you're not the kind of person that's going to eat the same thing five days in a row, don't pretend to be either, <laughs> you know, like you're too tired. Yourself, <laughs> get yourself some variety. So if that's frozen options, if that's what I like to call like semi homemade meals where it's like, I've got frozen meatballs. I have a jar of pasta sauce. I have some broccoli. I can yes. like, right. I can like make, really, really quickly heat up the meatballs, heat up the sauce, steam some broccoli. And like, maybe even I put some protein pasta under that, you know? And it's like, yes, I cooked, but like it, I really didn't, I just prepared. Right. So honestly, I hated on Schwann's earlier in this episode. If y'all don't know what that is, it's literally a food, a truck that brings food to your house that you order out of a catalog. And when I was 10 years old, it was not healthy, (laughs) but they do now, like I've been helping my mom and that's how my mom realistically handles buying food. Right. So for her now they have a grilled chicken breast option. They have like this smart, fresh vegetable line. So Mm -hmm. she gets that, like there are ways to 
still, so I, I need to actually unhate on them for anyone who knows who they are. Because <laughs> the way that she chooses to shop, they do have good options that she's able to like find accessible for her. So yeah. I cool. mean, I think that you have to kind of just see like what resources are available and what is going to be realistic for you, you know? So do I want to get back into cooking? Of course I love cooking. Um, but the reality is, is like, I just, I might get lucky one day a week. (laughs) So, you know, what are some other things that I could do or I could prep for like my husband to prepare for us? Right. Um, what things could I order? What, what types of products could I have on hand? you know, yogurts or meat sticks or protein shakes, or like you said, Ali, like the magic spoon cereal, like what could I have? It's just easy. Like this morning, I just grabbed a fair life protein shake because I was busy and I was tired, you know, but (laughs) I have yogurt in the fridge. I have string cheese, like it's, and, and it's okay to have some of those like quick grab and go things. And then like try to infuse and some maybe like more balanced options, like when you have the chance. So just know that like whatever phase of life you're going through right now, even if you want to be the person that, you know, is even growing your own food or cooking things, like you don't have to do everything right this minute. You know, sometimes it's just about having something that's really realistic and like gets you one step closer to like, how you want to feel and like what your goals are. So, you know, so for anyone who's out there who is a parent, uh, you know, or struggling to like kind of fit this all into place, like just think about like what is the easiest first step that I could take? And maybe that's just trying to get some like grab and go options, you know, in your pantry or your fridge. And then maybe we can move into like ordering some meals and then maybe we can think about meal planning and cooking things, but maybe that's not the first step, if that makes sense. I I have someone knocking on my door. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, you are the absolute best, like genuinely love you as a human so much. Um, Megan has an Instagram, my bariatric dietitian. We're going to link it. She also has a website, there are recipes there. Peep them because, oh my God, I live off of them. <laughs> um, but anything else that you want to share before? Yeah. Like how could somebody get in touch with you to, if they want to work yeah. with you? Yeah. Um, a few options. Um, definitely you can go check me out on my website or my Instagram. Um, and then if you're just looking for like some quick ideas, I do have a cookbook on Amazon um, called the complete bariatric cookbook and meal plan. So if someone's just looking for some recipes and ideas and kind of ways to kind of, you know, um, uh, I don't know, jazz up their routine and that's an easy way to, um, to kind of do so as well. So, but yeah, anyone who's out there, even if you just, even if you don't want to work together, you just have some questions, you just, you know, want to ideas for resources. I'm always happy to help. So don't, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me anyway. It's totally fine. <laughs> thank you, well, thank you so, so much, Megan. Yeah. And we will link everything so that y'all can find everything for Megan and just thank you. Yeah. yeah thank thank you it's so much. amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. We'll see y'all next week. Yep. Bye. Allison and Courtney are not medical professionals. There are two friends on this journey together who want to share their experience with you for informational and entertainment purposes. While we do our best to try and make sure the information presented in this podcast is accurate and true, Allison and Courtney are not doctors. 
Always follow your doctor's instructions and advice first and foremost.